From Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology, and the colored shavings. Welcome back, everyone, to The Dairy Show. I am your host, Katie Schmidt. And joining us this week is a young couple in the dairy industry, Riley and Brooks Hendrickson. So welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you, Katie. Thanks for having us. I'm good. I'm good. And hey, thanks for being on here. You know, it's always great to talk to young people who are in the dairy industry, especially as we celebrate Valentine's Day today. But let's start with just some of the basics. Can you tell us about yourselves? So like Katie said, we are Brooks and Riley Hendrickson. Um, We live in Belleville, Wisconsin, so just a short drive south of Madison. We dairy farm with Jeff and Kate Hendrickson, which would be my in-laws, Brooks's parents. We milk just about 120 cows, and then we run, I would say, about 400 acres. Um, We're very involved in the dairy cattle genetics, the show industry. We also have a little daughter Adley Jean. She was born in September of 2021 and we are expecting our second child here within the next three weeks. Brooks, anything you want to add? Oh, she's pretty good at nailing that right on (laughs) on the head, I guess. So yeah, I think she did all right. I think she did all right. So because it is Valentine's Day, how did you guys meet? Is is your meet cute love story intertwined with the dairy industry? Uh, a little, a little bit, bit, a little bit. Um, we probably sound very Generation X or millennial by saying this, but we actually did start talking via Snapchat. So we, I had always known who Brooks was, and he always had known who I was through the showing industry. Me growing up in Rock County, him in Greene County, so neighboring counties, we were at a lot of the same events. Competitive at our district show against yes, each other. Competitive. You know? <laughs> we had never actually interacted or talked with each other and then out of the blue snapchat friend brooks sent me a friend request on snapchat and the first snapchat he ever sent me was a picture of him i being a cow and something along the lines of i hate when this happens or something like that and then i guess the rest was history i think uh that I just had to see if she was a little inter- interested, and then I had to be brave enough to call her and ask her on a date. So I think the next next day or two after that, I called her and asked her if uh, she wanted to go get prime rib with me. So Yeah, on a typical farmer schedule, it was a Sunday brunch. So farmers take Sunday to do what they want to do outside of the farm. So it ended up being on su- on a Sunday brunch, which is not yet, I guess, your usual date, but when you're going on a date with a farmer, you get what you get. <laughs> <laughs> right. At least you still got prime rib. Yes. All you can eat prime rib buffet. It was a good date. I think I, I think I want her over with all you can eat prime rib. Probably. <laughs> she, might not actually, she might not actually been interested in me, but if I kept taking her to all you can eat prime rib, she was going to hang around for a while. I mean... Not a bad strategy. I I like it. I like it. All right. So you guys farm together with your parents, Brooks. What does the farm look like? Well, it's kind of, uh, I guess your old, what people would maybe say your old school standard family farm operation. And so our our home farm is, we still milk in the original tie stall barn that uh, mom and dad uh, bought when they moved or bought this farm that existing farm that we're on and so the 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 barn holds 49 
Ty stalls in the main role. And then we have a short role with some box stalls and a few other big stalls. Um, so the, the barn holds 60 cows total. And then we keep uh, the additional switch cows in a uh, freestall outside that was originally designed for heifers. But as we had internal growth years back, we renovated it ourselves a little bit, made the stalls wider and bigger for some cows. It's not ideal, but it works and the cows do great and they perform well. So we uh, make it work with what we have. And um, I guess we, you know, we've made a few, made a big change to the tie stall barn uh, last fall. I wanted to put sand, I ripped out the mattresses and we put sand actually in our tie stall barn. So we have sand bedded stalls in the freestall and the tie stall and cow comfort has improved miraculously from that. We have a few nice uh, heifer sheds and some pasture in the summer, but pretty much everything's under roof nine months out of the year. Um, and then uh, we, like Riley said, we crop a little less than 400 acres, right around 400 acres. We bought an, a, another farm here a few years back. Mom and dad did uh, give us some more land so we'd have to buy feed. And we also rent an additional 88 acres that butts up to our home farm. So pretty much do all, all the work ourselves and with a, you know, have a, a few people that can fill in and help out on the farm when needed some good friends, uh, but no, no full-time help uh, other than mom, dad, Riley, myself, and Adley now. She's a little worker too. So what, what chores can Adley help with now? Really good at shoveling. And carrying empty buckets. Mm-hmm. She's really good at that and she enjoys it. And she's, I think, she, think about another year, she'll have the skid loader complete, completely figured out when she can reach the controls fully. So mm-hmm. she loves riding in the skid loader. It spends a lot of time in the skid loader with dad. Mm. I have some photos from my childhood that um, tell me that I was in the same bucket as Adley. I also loved the skid steer. Uh-huh. And my hat was pulled over my eyes and no one knew how I could see anything, but I was ready to go farming. Yep. That's Adley was in the same boat. We had to update her to a, a headband so that the hat would quit falling out of, <laughs> down on her eyes. Smart, smart. So, okay. The, the process of switching the tie stall from mattresses to sand bedding. Tell me how that worked and, and how you manage that now. Well, it was not uh, a fun project I guess if that's are you is that what you're kind of getting into the transition to it or yeah I think you know that there are a lot of a lot of folks that still dairy and tie stall barns and aren't interested in you know rebuilding completely so those remodels or renovations to a tie stall to make it more cow friendly just kind of understanding how how that process can work or what it could look like so I think um kind of two of the big reasons why we transitioned to the sand. First of all, just to start with the topic, um, the mattresses we had were very old and tore up and they were just not providing comfort at all for the cows. And that led to a lot of sore feet. And so our hoof trimmer kind of started having that conversation with us about, we need to look at something different, whether it's put in new mattresses or looking at sand. And he recommended sand. He works with a handful of herds that do have sand in their tie stall barn and he had seen a lot of improvement on the hoof side of things. Um, and so that was after a lot of discussion, 
with Jeff and Kate, that was the direction um, we decided to go with. And um, that was probably a eight man process. Yeah. Tearing Oops. everything out. Brooks would allude more to the process of that. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> the biggest thing, you know, in a family operation, when you have pe- multiple people involved in generations and when you've done something so long and it works so well, just deciding on that, making that change is a big step. And then, you know, <clears throat> when we decided that was, that's what we wanted to do, you know, that we wanted to make sure we took all the steps and did any, all the little details to making everything, you know, such as the barn cleaner function after the sand, we wanted to make sure we'd done it right. So we talked to a few other people that have had sand in the barn and like Riley said, our hoof trimmer was a big push on that. And he's actually kind of the sand tie stall guru. I call him like he's helped quite a few people put, put it in, but cost effective and efficient. The labor is not fun, but group of guys of my my buddies on a Saturday and a, a case of beer to persuade them to come and we had those old pasture mats ripped out in no time I think and, we were we were very surprised once we had the mats out how just wore out and how nasty they looked and really wondering how we were able to maintain the melt quality we did just with how absolutely. wore out and just gross they were really gross underneath there so that was another bonus to kind of getting those mats out is looking more at melt quality down the line is hopefully we can keep the cell count low by having sand in and it's definitely we've seen we've seen our cell count i think get lower since we've had the sand i really didn't think it could but it it is lower Mm -hmm. yeah about a forty thousand cell count average since we've had the sand and we're probably like 60 to 80 before that Mm -hmm. but so um, I guess to describe it, the process, once you got the mats out, um, we had brackets made up and we put in a three inch PVC pipe and those um, brackets go over the PVC pipe and then are, they're lagged right into the, the platform of the stall. At the end of the stall. Yep, on the back of the stall. Um, and there's actually still, um, when dad, uh, so th- we had the pasture mats. We ripped them out, and underneath them was the old original rubber Krayberg mat that typically everyone has had in their barn at one time. Uh, and we left those in; they're actually in great shape, and they're they're the ones that are like cemented in, so it it gives a nice base, so that you know there there's no concrete underneath the cows. It's rubber mat, and then sand on top of it. So the PVC obviously helps hold the sand in. We bed about once a week. Sometimes I do it twice a week. We have to, you know, we use a sand shooter for the skin load. If you're not going to, and that's the most expensive part uh, of the project is actually the sand shooter for the, the skin loader attachment. And I'd say if you're going to do it, there's no way in heck I would do it without a sand shooter because, you know, it just... It, it cuts down on our labor, not having to shake bedding and, uh, you know, use a bale of straw every single day in the barn. Now we're using sand once a week. Did you have to do any modifications to the barn in order to be able to drive a skid steer down the walkway? Yeah. So, um, our, our pipeline was sitting, it sits too low. If we were to drive the skid loader right in, it would hit the pipeline. And so we, um, 
cut the pipeline on two ends and then we take it off when we bring the skid loader in and then we have to put it back on once the skid loader is done. But other than that, that was the only adjustment as far as in the barn goes. It was just merely to get the skid loader to fit. So how deep is the sand then, like in the stall? Well, so the front curb of the, you know, the, of the stall is nine inches. And then that PVC is only three, but it's, I mean, it's deep when I first put it in. I don't know, you know, to say exact, I guess when they're full, you know, that eight to nine inches in the front and then in the back, you know, it's probably four or five inches because it's, you know, piled up. If we didn't switch cows in and out like we do, I think, because, you know, you get all that extra tracking in and out of the stalls, we would probably only have to bed the barn every other week, I bet, with sand. You know, that's the, the switch cows, they you know, you can't have, the don't have the trainers on and that kind of thing when they're in the barn. So they kind of tend to, you know, pee in the stalls and make the sand a little wet. And I always clean that out before, you know, we bring the barn, the, the main, the group that's in the barn lives in the, uh, they're in the barn. So they, after we milk the free stall cows, they go back out to the free stall and the barn cows come back in. So a little extra work, but that's just the way we do it. So, yeah, I mean, other than that, it was pretty uh, cheap. A cheap process versus you know the mats we're gonna it was gonna cost us in that mid thirty thousand and I think we already you know we already had the sand shooter um we put a liner in our barn cleaner and that was expensive couple grand for that with labor put new corner wheels in on our barn cleaner chain but that was it was time for them anyways so I think you know being meticulous with the grease gun on the corner wheels and having that liner in your barn cleaner uh, floor, it definitely is makes you know everything run smoothly and efficient. We don't have any problems so far. What's the the next area that you're looking at investing in at the farm? Um, well, I would say that is probably a tougher question. Yeah, um, it, I guess nothing. Two major, you know, there's a lot, nothing set in stone right now, obviously, but uh, there's always little things that, you know, we'd all want or some things that my personal goal, some, at some point I would like to build a freestyle barn to house all the cows in. Don't know what, there's no timeline or for sure whether that, you know, is in the, you know, as mom and dad transition out and we transition in, um, you know, it's just kind of, you got to see how things, where things go, I guess. I would say it's maybe not so much a physical change right now. It's probably more so that transition period that we're in. Like many young farmers working with the generation above them, it's not an easy, easy topic to discuss and to accomplish. So that's kind of where we're at right now. If you don't mind sharing, uh, is there anything on that front that that has helped you guys in that process or um, resources or tools that you've used to, to navigate that succession? We're so early in the process right now that we're kind of in the discussion stages amongst the four of us, try to just kind of figure out what our goals are and where, where everyone is looking to get. And then figuring out a timeline, figuring out those resources that would be beneficial to help us get to where we want to get. So no, I guess there's not 
to answer your question, no. Um, we're hoping to get some resources here lined up. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a an easy conversation to tackle or a project to to work through by any means. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the cows because Brooks, you mentioned box stalls in the barn and it's registered Holsteins at home, I believe, correct? Yep. Yep. The whole herd is registered Holsteins. So tell tell us what you guys are working with. So to kind of put some numbers to it, I guess, like we said, it's a 100% registered herd. We recently scored here and our BAA currently is a 113.0, which we are very, very proud of. In the living herd, there are 66 excellent cows, 44 very good. And of those excellent, we have one scored 95, and then we have about a dozen that are actually living scored 94. Um, so we definitely take pride in the genetic side for sure. Wow. Well, I was just going to say then our rolling herd average is about 28,000. It's down a little bit right now, but 28,000 with a four, four, one and a three, four protein. And uh, about a 50,000 cell count. Yeah, 40 to 50. So who's making the, the breeding decisions or what are the goals um, for those decisions? I guess dad and I, that's, you know, fortunately for me, I've learned from, I, well, I think the best breeder in the world and obviously he's, dad's a mentor and I respect him a lot and look up to him a lot and he's done great. Obviously he built a really good foundation, you know, for uh for us to build off of and i guess just continuing what he started and making it better and um you know as we breed for you know type and production and longevity um cows with really good udders and really good foot and leg we like powerful cows cows that can just function and live for a long time and and do well in any any environment really and I think Kate also plays a role too. She's our, she's the main calf feeder and she is quick to notice if there's a calf with a certain sire that is not a do, not a good doer, just kind of low key, just not ambitious. And she, if she notices a trend with a handful of an eight calves out of the same bull, she will definitely recommend that we maybe stay away from breeding to them because if they're not going to do good as a calf, as a doer, then you might be seeing how they will be as a cow as well. Absolutely. Yeah. You can make some of those calls a little earlier. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I guess, you know, as far as making breeding decisions, I would say it's 50, 50 dad and I, and that's the one thing I think I'll always respect dad for is when it's come to making matings on cows, it's always been, you know, he's always let me have reins on it and, and do what I want. And, I guess whoever makes the mating decision on the cow is probably the person that has the most time or the time currently or that part time of the day to, to breed, breed the cow. So, cause we do all of our own breeding and mating. And as far as, you know, selecting bulls, we like bulls with good, good uh, pedigrees behind them. It's still a must for us. They have to have a good pedigree, you know, and, and nothing, we don't chase any extreme trait or number. We like balance and proof behind it to back it up so that we know that it's going to work. I would say we're probably the last couple of years, we've kind of went back more focusing on using proven bulls 
that for us, for what we want to do, there's no sense in rushing and making a mistake by make, using a bull that's going to make too many bad matings. We like to, you know, see see daughters on the ground and use them. We still, I mean, we still use young sires, but I would say it's about sixty percent proven, forty percent young sires. But you still got to use, you know, those young sires. You got to keep up a little bit as far as you know marketing genetics and sale, you know, sale saleable animals. Um, people definitely buyers definitely want the next hot bull. So yeah. For sure. So, okay. Speaking of sellable animals, I noticed an upcoming sale. Want to talk about that? Our heifer barns are kind of overflowing and we figured it was time to maybe offer some heifers to the general public. And we have a very nice looking heifers right now. So we figured this would be the year to do it. Maybe mm-hmm. add some extra stress to our springtime with a baby on the way, but hey, that's the farming lifestyle. You gotta, you gotta live on the edge and stay busy. So our sale is April 12th on cattleclub.com. Yep. So it is an online sale through cattleclub.com, but we do, we will have an open house on April 8th at the farm um, for people to stop out and see not only the animals that are going to be available through the sale, but also to see their dams, their grand dams, full sisters, maternal sisters, just to kind of see where this animal is coming from as far as pedigree and family goes. Um, and then if anyone else is wanting to stop out and that and that April 8th open house doesn't work, they're more than welcome to stop out just to reach out to Brooks or to Jeff. And the boys would be happy to have them come on out and show you, show them what we have to offer. So when you're picking heifers for a sale like this, how do you decide which ones to put on it and which ones you want to be able to work with in the future? Well, like Riley said, <laughs> we have uh, a surplus of young stock running around and we always have just as the fact that we've always done a lot of embryo work and a little more sex semen, you know, sex semen in the uh, IVF, you know, and flushing world is really increase the numbers of young stock but uh we've uh kind of you know we want to offer our best and and i'm really picky i don't want i want people to be attracted to to what we have to offer i don't and i want them to have success with what they buy from us so they have to be from dams that are functioning on our farm or have proven themselves on our farm and the daughters have to make, meet that quality. You think we got a pretty special group. Um, we're selling, you know, it's subject to change a little bit, but about uh, 12 to 15 head is what we're shooting for. Nothing nothing big and extravagant, but I'd like to think that it's high quality group for, we, for people that we have to offer. For sure. And People come out and tour your place, obviously, for this sale and, and the open house is upcoming. But during Expo, they're also coming out because you're just a short drive from Madison. What are people looking at when they're coming out to the place? What kind of things are they interested in or questions that they're asking you? I think the big thing, people just want to come to a farm where they can walk through a barn and get a good look at, you know, nice cows. I, you know, the, as far as the 
people interested in genetics or embryos is definitely a lot smaller list. Most people are just want want to want to look at cows. People that appreciate cows and and want to see the operation, but definitely I would say the last you know obviously year or two the with COVID and and whatnot that uh, not having visitors was was tough and that it it took a little bit of of the the fun and appreciation out of what we you know people like us do every single day so it was nice this year it was full-blown crazy busy hundreds of people through the farm expo week um and definitely uh upcrease or increase in uh in people wanting to purchase embryos this year versus the last i'd say 10 years so i think as things have changed and progressed so quickly over the years that uh, definitely some people feel maybe the same way I do, you know, just people that appreciate good cattle and want to own good cattle, you know, they don't need to, they want to, they want to buy or be somewhere where, where that exists, you know, they want the proof. They want to see the proof. It, it definitely was fun this year to have all them visitors through. I made some more friends and connections this year. Um, which is always nice and uh, saw a lot of old friends that some people that were through the barn 20 some years ago I don't even remember who they were but dad remembered who they were you know so yeah it was definitely a, a fun week there back in October. How do you guys manage having those tours and hundreds of people go through the farm in that week with also being present at Expo occasionally um, for shows and whatnot. Pure chaos, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it definitely makes things, you know, a little more difficult, especially with, you know, trying to get the daily work done and, uh, having everything presentable too. There's a lot of work leading up to it as far as getting the barn cow, barn cows clipped off and ready. So that's a big task to get accomplished. And then the week of the show, like Brooke said, it is just kind of all hands on deck, pure chaos. And it, it definitely, if I'd like to give credit to Facebook or not, but you know, as far as communicating with a whole wide uh, range of people at once, that is definitely coming handy as far as, you know, making a post on Facebook and announcing that, you know, we'd open to visitors this day, this day, obviously junior show day and open show day is off limits. Um, we've had, I guess we've made some exceptions in the past and there's always people that just end up showing up, which is fine, I guess. But, uh, we obviously those days we want to be at the show. We've been exhibiting at expo for a very long time, uh, especially the junior show. It's a, it's an important week to us. We look forward to it year round. Mm-hmm. I'd say we definitely kind of prioritize. We want to make sure that we open the farm up for those tours and for those conversations with people. But then again, we also want to be able to get out to the show and to expo grounds just in general. So it's just a matter of knowing what days we want to be at the show and knowing that we have to have the farm kind of closed down at that point, just get our chores done to get to the show. But then the days that we don't necessarily choose to go to the show, well, then that's the time that we focus on the farm and opening our doors for people to come in and talk cows and socialize. So definitely prioritizing as far as what we kind of want to do and when we want to do it. But it's a, definitely a team effort and 
family and we make it all work. We know what we all want to do and working together gets us there. This feels like the right time to ask you all what your favorite expo memory is from your years at the event. Personally, I think World Dairy Expo 2021 would be my favorite. There's a lot of memories down the road back when I was in college and was a member of Badger Dairy Club and served as a variety of chairs, the show ring chair, general chair my last two years. All that was extremely, extremely rewarding and exciting. But Expo 2021 was, I think, one for the books. We had Adley Jean on September 18th. So she was about 10 days old when we took her to her first Expo. But then that was also exciting to have her there. But then as far as in the show ring, we had a lot of success that year, um, not only on the Hendrickson side, but also my family's side. Jeffrey Way had the junior champion heifer that our niece Emma showed. So that was awesome. And then my family, Hobby Hill Holsteins, had the intermediate champion of the junior show. So it was a big year, both in the show ring and family-wise. So I'd say September or 2021, hands down, would be my favorite. I would have to second second that. Yeah, definitely a lot of a lot of extra emotions on that day. Yes, but you know, there's it, it, and it's there's a lot of other memories, Facebook me- or uh, Expo memories that you know come up on Facebook that you're like, oh. I can, I can remember that. And that was, you know, that year I met this person or whatever and made a lot of friends and connections, but you know, I can remember long time ago, youth, I had always had youth football, you know, I was in sports when I was a kid and every year I'd always have a football game the morning of, of the open show. And we would go somehow dad would miraculously get chores done, take me to my football game and we'd hurry up and get, to the show and watch. And I can remember, you know, one year specific year walking in to the ground floor and, and James Rose was walking in to, to the show ring. And I remember just thinking, you know, that's one of my all time favorite cows and thinking that someday I want a cow like that. I'm going to breed that a cow that good, you know, and simple little memories like that, that really, fuel the fire beneath me I guess to do it and work really hard every day to chase those dreams and and uh, raise a family that uh, hopefully has the same passion and for showing and and just uh, it's more than the, you know the showing aspect of the Holstein industry is is awesome the connections you make the friends you make along the way and those memories you know that you come come with it are uh definitely more important than the, than the ribbons and the trophies and, and all that. You, we could talk all day about memories, but. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate you're getting your daughter started so early um, in her expo memory uh, bank of things that she'll get to remember and recall uh, as she gets older. But uh, as we kind of wrap up, guys, is there anything else you want to share? Any insight, advice? things you've learned as a a young couple starting out or or being heavily involved in the dairy industry? Since this is your Valentine's episode, we probably should tie it back to couples on the farm. Um, It's definitely not easy to work with your spouse every day, but it's those, it's those little achievements or those 
goals that you finally accomplish that really make it all worth it in the end. And working with family, you're going to fight more than you probably would if you didn't work with them. But I feel like it almost kind of brings us closer when we do argue and we're able to learn how to communicate effectively. I'd say that's probably a really big lesson with where we're at is just to learn how to communicate effectively with one another and what's the best way to get through to some, get through to them and know when it's the right time to kind of just take a break and step away from the conversation. But no, it's definitely rewarding. I'd say to be able to work with my husband all the time. We spend majority of our time together in the barn at night doing chores and that's kind of the day, the time I look forward to every day. I get home from work and I go home and hang out with Brooks in the barn doing chores. And some of the time he might be on his phone the whole time, but it's still the fact that we're doing it together. It's pretty exciting. And then to have our daughter there with us now, it's things definitely take longer when you have a one-year-old running around, but just to see her excitement on her face is priceless. I would agree. Commun- communication keep your head down and work hard and chase your goals, I guess. Well, Hey, I mean, what a great like way to end all of this. I appreciate bringing you back to Valentine's day, Riley. That was wonderful. And, uh, you know, with that in mind, I'm going to let you guys get on with your day and enjoy your, your Valentine's day. And hopefully the, the cows cooperate and you guys can actually celebrate a little bit tonight. Well, thank you, Katie. We really appreciate, um, you asking us to be on here. So Thank you. Thank you for all that you do as far as publicity for Expo and kind of getting our story out there. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dairy Show. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us today. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends about how much you are enjoying The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us as well. And last but not least, if you have any comments for us, send us an email at wde at wdexpo.com. We would love to hear from you.